Do we do the theme song? The Yes, well done. Yes. I used to shout that through the hallways of my high school, um, <laughs> <laughs> wondering when I'd get in trouble for it. And I was the only one doing it. Or, well, not in high school; it was, it was it was elementary school. Everybody knew I was doing it, but nobody would say. Nobody would tell me. Uh, tell you to take off, eh? <laughs> All right. You're listening to Filmed in Canada. This is a podcast about Canadian movies. I'm William Lee. Over here is... Alexander Cairns. Wait, which, sorry, which way did you point there? Just to orient us in the room. Oh, you. Yeah. yeah. I pointed, I'm, I'm on your right. I, I pointed to uh, my right <laughs> podcast like over, stage right. Over here, yeah. 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 It's like where, where in the room. We gotta, we gotta help. We gotta paint the picture, right? Right. Well, when I master this in surround sound, it'll matter <laughs> for now. Alexander Karen's here again, and two very average Canadians that we picked up from the mall. <laughs> On the other side of the room are, please introduce yourselves. Chris. And Paul. Chris and Paul are joining us again to talk about classic Canadian movies. And uh, I, th- I think of the, of the four of us in the room, uh, Alexander, are you the one who's new to Strange Brew? Strange Brew is the movie we're talking about yeah, on this podcast. Yeah, I've never seen Strange Brew. Really, my only like previous exposure to Bob and Doug McKenzie was the Twelve Days of Christmas song, <laughs> right? Because that comes up every year. <laughs> every year, end of year. Five golden toques. My favorite. My favorite is the is the opening though, because it's like on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer. Beer. <laughs> uh, so it'll be great to hear uh, how you saw this movie uh, with new eyes yeah. in the twenty first century. Um, I hadn't uh, rewatched it since my teens, uh, so um, so for this I'm, for this show I rewatched it, but I hadn't seen it for uh, probably fifteen years then uh, or more. How about Chris and Paul? When was the last time you watched it? Oh, twenty plus years ago, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Maybe um, maybe even thirty. <laughs> you didn't you didn't wear out your VHS tapes rewatching it? A true years? story. It was actually. I saw the thing in the. Th- I saw the movie in the theater twice, and it became sort of common vernacular for my friends and all the sports teams I played on, and and things like that. And then when home video took off, this was one of the go-to. You know, throw it in when you're hanging out with the, your group of buddies, and you know, on your way to a party or back home from a party. And we basically had a shorthand that was pretty much all Bob and Doug McKenzie isms. You know, yeah. from. Beauty Clark to uh, take off to this isn't heaven this sucks and those sorts of things. So. I kiss you, but I got puke. I got puke breath, beauty chocolate. So that's how we actually <laughs> talked, and and then it just sort of just disappeared, I guess. And then coming back to it thirty years later, it was kind of uh, kind of a shock. <laughs> I thought it was like getting a warm hug from a Mac jacket that has just come out of a dryer. That's what this movie felt like. It felt like coming home. Nice. It's ridiculous, oh, nice. but there were so many sweet spots in it for me that I just, I had a smile on my face for the whole 90 minutes. Yeah, I, I really got into it quickly when I popped it in. I was watching it with my girlfriend, Tiffany, and she jumped ship in 10 minutes. <laughs> it's pretty I, specific I, to, to but growing to be, up in Canada. <laughs> to be fair, I think it is easy to jump ship in the first like half hour because I don't think it... 
really picks up until like that intermission point and then mm-hmm. it's and then it's okay. smooth sailing but um yeah i i i wasn't too into it at first so i can oh. i can sympathize with you okay all right so let's let's back up and uh and just give listeners who are not familiar with bob and doug mckenzie a little grounder on their on where they came from the sctv was um like a, a comedy skit show it was produced between 1976 and 1984 it was produced sort of sporadically not uh, they didn't have like dedicated seasons of 26 uh, episodes it's it originated in toronto and and then at one point they were moved to edmonton i believe for production and so cast members were involved in in different stages uh, the original um, members of the troupe and and uh, and new cast members later on it moved back to toronto later on i think it was produced for global tv in canada and then it was run on cbc for a while nbc picked it up at some point it was re-edited for 90 90 minute versions for syndication there's um, several years of it and different incarnations and lots of cast members, but it was it was like Canada's version of Saturday Night Live. So in roughly the third season of the show uh, in 1980, as a reaction to the CRTC's suggestion that they have more identifiably Canadian characters, uh, Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas created Bob and Doug McKenzie, uh, which would uh, stuff together as many stereotypes and cliches about Canadian culture as they could fit. So Bob and Doug... I guess specifically Canadian men and Canadian white men. Yeah, that's that's true. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I would say that we didn't have, uh, like, maybe we didn't have the multicultural nuances that make up the Canadian (laughs) identity yet. Yeah. Well, they existed, they just weren't represented in popular culture. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So they are a pair of brothers who... uh, uh, how would you describe it? Anyone throw out uh, things to describe? Uh, simpletons. Well, the hosers, right? They're hosers, they're yeah. Hosers. And they, um, they just their their mo would be to riff on a particular subject, like um, back bacon, putting a mouse in a beer bottle, smokes, donuts, donuts. So they would take a topic and then sort of work it out uh, for the. The television show, anyways. Yeah. That was yeah. how they wrote. So they had they had uh, like a, a cable access, public access type of That's segment right. on uh, on this low rent uh, network, SCTV, and they turned out to be the most popular characters on that show. Did any other characters from SCTV get a movie spinoff? I know Ed Grimley got an animated show for a short time. Uh, That's Grim- a good one. Yeah, Ed Grimley was uh, the character. Martin Short. Edith Prickly, Prickly never got a New show. No. no. Johnny LaRue. Uh, Johnny Vegas. LaRue. No. Bobby Bidman. What about uh, the Count? Rio? Count Floyd. Did he get a show? <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think. No, I don't think did. anyone else did either. No. Yeah. yeah, and uh, also interestingly, this feature outing for the Mackenzie brothers is not funded by a Canadian um, film entity. It's not. It's not a telefilm production. It's not a CBC production. It is. They got their money from MGM, which, which is so surprising to me. Yeah. And when we get introduced to the movie, it is the MGM lion. You know, burping, burping, <laughs> and then cranking his tail, which I thought I can't believe MGM is playful enough to let that happen when yeah. it's supposed to be this regal, you know, stalwart of uh, film production that they would allow Bob and Doug to be so irreverent. Yeah. yeah, and has that ever happened before that that the MGM lion got um, got played with in that in that manner for a movie? I wonder. Is it, I, I feel like there's some sort of title card joke in Space Jam, but that was after, obviously. <laughs> 
I can't remember if it's, MG- if it's MGM though. Yeah, the animated. Uh, I feel like it like pops a balloon or something. <laughs> maybe maybe it was the Looney Tunes logo. I regret to say I have not seen Space Jam. That is very regretful, actually. <laughs> that like that for me was basically like the strange proof. You know what I mean? Like that was like really? the, like the comedy that I grew up really loved. <laughs> uh, and they're doing doing a new one with LeBron James, so wow. that's awesome. Still basketball theme? Obviously, dude. Hmm. Wasn't there a? Am I mistaken? Was there not a baseball themed one? This is a digression. No, already, so but. so they make fun of Michael Jordan and his failed baseball career in that movie. Oh, okay. And then Maybe. he also like takes a shot that. at golf, which is like the beginning of Space Jam. And then he gets sucked into a golf hole and brought to like Looney Tune land. I'm gonna bring up Looney Tunes again later, but back to Strange Brew. <laughs> Um, it's also written and directed, well, it's written by um, Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas uh, with, with, with the help dude, yeah. of Steve DeJarnat. And it's directed by uh, Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis, this would be his, his only directing credit. Dave Thomas would continue to direct for television. So several things I think are remarkable about it right away is that it's, uh, it originates the content originates in Canada. They get their money from a big studio, um, and and the creators have uh, have control over it. Pretty rare, and Pretty also surprise about the funding. That is surprising and not surprising. Mm-hmm. I find that all Canadian movies are overly earnest, and when you take a movie as stupid as this one, Canada thinks you know. In our lofty ideals, we think, oh, it's that's not a serious enough movie for us to put funding towards. So. In yeah, way, I'm not surprised uh, yeah, it doesn't. It not. doesn't shock me at all that yeah. it took American money to to make it. Yeah. Especially, even though it's not on the scale of like Ghostbusters, which was the next year, it's definitely a higher budget movie than you would typically see. In sure, Canada. right. Mm. Yeah. So the uh, loose plot of it <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, Bob and Doug are trying to get some free beer. Yeah. And then they stumble upon a plot at the Elsinore Brewery, um, which is uh, uh, which is borrowed from Shakespeare and, and other places, and it's, and it's pretty good. It's pretty it, good. Um, I was telling Chris that when we were watching it. So this, of course, goes over your head when you're 13 years old and you're seeing it. But uh, rewatching it, I felt like in this movie. The same way I feel when I watch Hamlet, that about halfway through or three quarters of the way through, I'm just along for the ride. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> there were a lot of plates spinning in the air, that, you know, between uh, the insane asylum, the hockey, the drugging of the beer, the of course the uncle and the mom and the daughter and the. It was just it was bananas by the end, and I, I couldn't keep up to things. So. And they are truly Rosencrantz and Guildenstern; those two, they're just sort of fly on the wall. And I was trying to think, well, how would you make this movie if they were legit romantic leads or comic leads like Bill Murray and Ghostbusters? Could you see a woman being attracted to? Either of well, yeah, yeah. It, it, like a year later in Ghostbusters, Rick Moranis becomes like <laughs> right. the, 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 the side character. That's right. right. Elliot is that his name? I, I can't, can't remember. remember. Yeah. So it was to me. I thought good on them for figuring out a way that they could have these two characters partake in a movie, but not as the lead. So it was. I thought they handled it wonderfully. And well, and I liked. I, speaking of the romantic part of it, I liked that. Um, is it Bob or Doug? Rick Moranis' character Bob. is yeah. So Bob, like 
makes a few passes at <laughs> at was it Pamela, right? Pam, yeah. And um, she just kind of she just kind of ignores him, but then you can tell that there is some legitimate chemistry between her and Rosie. Yeah, yeah, Rosie LaRose. Yeah. <laughs> See, those guys can't date because, as you, we find out in the movie, they can't be separated. Yeah. <laughs> They've never been separated before, so how would they date? Well, double dates. Yeah, exclusively <laughs> double dating. Uh, who else is uh, prominent in the cast? Well, Paul Dooley, Max von Sydow, which was yeah. just jaw dropping. <laughs> wow! Did, did he have any sort fake of teeth? Pros- yeah, he had prosthetic fake in? Teeth. I thought yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't remember. Like, were his teeth that big in uh, whatever fucking movie I've seen him in? The Exorcist, Seventh Seventh Seal, Seventh Sign. I was seven thinking. Seal. I was thinking of Seventh Seal. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I forgot he was in The Exorcist. Yeah. 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 But pa- pa- to your point, Paul, of of it like all this bait, the uh, plate spinning at the end and just kind of being along for the ride. Like I was saying near the beginning, I find it, it sort of stops and starts a lot to get all of those right, plates spinning. Right. And like, even, even like the, the like hockey warriors or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I had no clue why they were getting suited up with them, yeah. but it was like, Oh, they need to do that so that the guys can steal their clothes. And like, it's just like, like they, they there's all these plot contrivances to get them to the point right. where everything is just going in uh, completely out of control. That's right. And so, yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's kind of suffered up until the point where they're barreling down the baby extension and flying <laughs> off into the, and Great flying, stunt, and flying off into Lake way. Ontario. Fantastic stunt. Um, but then from there on, cause like, I, I, I like, where it really kicked off for me was when um, was when Rose Rosie dies, and oh, yeah. like 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 drowns because he saves Pam. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, this is like a really intense <laughs> moment in this really stupid movie, and like the music becomes intense, That's and right. then and then the intermission card comes up, and it's like like poppy jazz music, and then it, and then it cuts back to that music, but then and then they go in and they find him and he's alive because they're drinking air from the beer bottles. I was like, okay, I get I get what's going on now. Like, I'm having fun. <laughs> but yeah, back to the plot. Um, a lot of us bored from Hamlet. I, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, are you being serious? Yeah, for yeah. real. Okay. It's, it's real. The Elsinore Castle and Elsinore Elsinore Castle is where Hamlet lives. Okay, and it's the brewery. Yeah, Hamlet is Hamlet's uncle and mother kill his father. And so he plots to take them down and figure, you know, um, I think that's the plot, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have the exact same thing happening here where uh, Paul Pants. Dooley's the uncle and his her mom get together, murder the father, and then take over the, the Okay. Brewery. I legitimately thought you were joking when no, you were saying it was yeah. like Shakespearean. Well, also, uh, you also have uh, the ghost of, uh, that's of, right. of, of Pam's father wandering around. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he and he, he gives them clues, but that's right. never, like... There's no... Okay, yeah, this is all making a lot more sense. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess the co-screenwriter, who's not uh, Dave and Rick, gave a first pass at the script that was too Shakespearean, and it was too much like Hamlet, because they pitched it as, we want this to be like a Hamlet. And then the first draft was essentially Hamlet in Hamilton, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And so then that's when Rick and Dave decided to because no one else could replicate their comic voice, that they would take a pass at the screenplay and make mm. it a little less Hamlet-y. Like, because just in general, I have like like you were saying as well. Like, you clearly like know Hamlet and have seen Hamlet and whatever. 
and still don't know what's going on. No. Like me, I have no fucking clue what's going on in Shakespeare. So like that's why I would just I would never think to relate this movie to to Hamlet or any other Shakespeare player or whatever. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Hamlet's certainly complex, and I think uh, in my mind, I I kind of simplified it a lot to uh, to something like. Star Wars or the Hidden Fortress, uh, whereas where Paul referenced uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, I, I I was seeing Bob and Doug as like an R two D two C three PO, or just or just like in the background of this big story, but they just they wander through it pretty much unscathed, right? They have right. Uh, and they have uh, some peripheral uh, um, impact on on what the other characters are doing, and they're they're sort of the the comedic element of those stories as well. Because yeah, like like for the most part, it's not really a comedy, except for the antics that they get into. That's like, right. right. Like all mm-hmm. of the, the rest of the plot is like more kind of science fictiony and James Bondy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And mad scientist yeah. 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 But but their stuff injects all the comedy. Into yeah. It. And they have no they they have no concern about any of uh, of of those big schemes that the characters are up to. They're just uh, they just they're. You know they want to be nice to Pam, and I don't think they even like develop any sort of grievance with the with the villains, or or even understand that they're villains. Mm-hmm. Um, other than they know that they have to, um, well, what do they have to do? <laughs> what what exactly do Bob and Doug it's, have it's to accomplish? It's very plot heavy. This movie. <laughs> the the okay. So what do they have to do? They have to avenge the patricide and stop the plot for world domination. Right. I which, guess, but do, we, do they consciously the, the for world domination, which which is culminates in a few hundred people <laughs> drinking Octoberfest. beer? <laughs> Oktoberfest in Hamilton. Um, okay, so no, I don't think they have to do that. I think that's what they're along for the ride for, yeah. and they inadvertently help in both cases. Yeah. Do they even do they consciously clear their names of of, of the crime that they're? No. Yeah. But pa- but Pam clearly would have cleared their names at some point. But that was a weird kind of. Again, plot contrivance that like she just stops talking for a while, but like definitely knows. Oh that right, they didn't... she's in catatonic shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah which for, is but how? I guess it was like chemi- st- it was like chemically induced by. Oh, the I thought it was or... it wasn't when they. It was grief. went into Lake Lake or Lake Ontario. Yeah, but she was about to talk when she gets out of the lake, and then they shoot her again with that oh, okay, gotcha. that weird dart gun that doesn't yeah. leave any darts. That's right. <laughs> It's Maybe like a, it's just in. like how the how the dad is jumping around through quantum physics, jumping like zooming, scanning, light flashing everywhere. In oh, the yes, same the, way, the in the same way, magic, I guess uh, I guess Max Max von Sydow is able to shoot guns without like it's just like <laughs> it penetrates you with like matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's like a it's like a ray gun without a ray. Do we get a close-up of a dart going into somebody? We never do. There's no darts anytime. (laughs) And and even 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 they're in the hockey suits at one time, which are very well protected, and they still get knocked out by it. So it's like some sort of maybe it's like a sound gun or something. Yeah, I think you're onto something. (laughs) So so except it's supersonic, so we wouldn't hear it. So that's right. Yes. So it's very forward thinking in its technology, is what you're saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you how much I loved the floppy disk scene? Yeah. When they take the floppy disk and think it's uh, a new, new wave. wave LP or EP. <laughs> yeah. Some new wave band in England, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty good, eh? Not, not really my cup of tea, but you know, okay. Do you know what a floppy disk is, Alex? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, I mentioned I mentioned v- VHS earlier in the episode too. <laughs> I actually I think I might still have Space Jam on VHS in my basement. Really? Yeah, at home in Toronto. Okay, <laughs> favorite gags in the movie. Um, well, it, it has to be the one where he drinks his way out of the the. Um, what do you call it? The big vat? Yeah. Where mm. he talks about having two soakers and it's not heaven, it sucks. <laughs> and then she says, is it getting warm in here? And he's like, no. <laughs> so you farted at that point? No, he you was peed. peeing oh, peed, in the yeah. beer, right? Do you feel it getting warmer? <laughs> no. <laughs> and then his belching and his, uh, his uh, taking away is on the fire. The random fire that starts from the quantum physics again yeah. with the... <laughs> The ray bolt or something that lights the the place on fire. My my favorite is definitely when they're in the courtroom and and Doug sneezes the bullets. These guys are ricocheting. This setup is something else for that one. Yeah. Man. That's a that's a long way to go to the well for that one. <laughs> and then the um, of course m- um, mom and dad Mackenzie, you know Mel Blanc's voice is dad Mackenzie, and then them having sex was funny. And of course, it's them in drag, yeah. or one of them in drag. Take Rick off, eh? uh, There's a newspaper when they do one of those, you know, things where they spin it around. It's the Beaver Examiner, which I think is a great name for a Canadian. But, it, but it was also it, it also showed like the advertisement on the back of the newspaper first, and then quickly flipped yeah. it over. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the bullets, and then my other favorite was. Um, was the the lawyer's like, oh, let me deal with these reporters. Pull some karate moves. That was totally random too. Yeah. Or there's uh, points when it's really meta when they're talking about you know when people are driving along in a movie eh, and you know they're being towed and it's the two of them <laughs> being towed while they're driving in the movie. Or is and Doug, and Doug just casually like turns his head like fully just looking at. Bob. <laughs> It's like no, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I, I kind of noticed that too. Eh? <laughs> and, but then, but then they bring it back, and they actually have to swerve around right. someone. And like, yeah, and that's when the cops pick up, and that and that kicks off the whole chase. Yeah, excellent stunt. And of course, the random just stomping of the brakes to make sure that they work. That was fun. <laughs> when um, at the beginning, when they come out of the uh, screening. And they're confronted in the alley. There's like there's a there's a father with two children who are crying. They saved for weeks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that cracks me up so much. The fact that that uh, this this father's blaming the two of them for like ruining the movie for for his kids, and the fact that this is that I've seen like they would go to this Bob and Doug McKenzie movie as a they would frame it as like this, this family movie. I think it's just hilarious. Too. But I th- I, th- I think that the, that opening is actually kind of and a not not so subtle jab at the Canadian film industry too because it's like oh we got to make a movie eh? and then they make this terrible sci-fi with like a floating <laughs> the floating fl- bus the <laughs> floating bandura yeah. and the uh, fleshy headed mutants yeah. and it's just so s- cheesy and there's like no jokes and everyone's just like what this is terrible like what did i pay my money for this and like it definitely seems like they're like poking yeah. fun at like what might have happened if they had to do this on a shoestring budget yeah well, you guys may find out how many subscribers you have to this podcast if you find out that across the country, moths have been released during movies. Then you'll know how many listeners you have. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't quite get that. 
I like I I think I just missed the setup of that like why they had why they had the monster like what the joke was or well like um, like we were saying the the part of the television show was that they would take a topic and so this was how you get a free movie so oh, I think Doug okay. was talking and so you let the moths go and it they go up to the light of course and then you demand uh, free your money back okay. yeah so along the same theme of like this is how you get a free beer by yeah. by growing a mouse inside that's right how to get free yeah. stuff so in fact it was 1983 life hacks is what it was yeah. <laughs> bring it into the 21st century i love that hose head uh looks like a skunk and then saves the day by uh saving oktoberfest i love when uh when something in a cartoon is is staged for real in a in a movie, just because it's completely absurd, and I just like seeing that, uh, which is why I, like I I think I like some of the early Tim Burton stuff because it was mm. like a cartoon come to life, but I got a kick out of the, out of this gag of like let's paint a dog like a skunk and and interrupt <laughs> a, a public festival, <laughs> but I, was it I don't I don't feel like it was set up. Like why it was painted like a skunk at first? It just they it just sits they, there. And but, like like they just show up to the house and all the cops are there and they're like oh like let's let's just grab let's grab hosehead but like you don't know why they're doing it and then he just flies off. It's like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and he has a cape, which is very funny. <laughs> but but then also he um, he like rolls up the roof at one point. The dog. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And he and I think he's the one that like he drops the floppy disk at the cops' feet. Right, that's right. Right. But like, what what was going on there? He's just some sort of supernatural dog. So I think if we circle back to the life hack thing, maybe they painted him as a skunk for a previous stunt to get free stuff. Like you could see maybe... If someone's having a picnic and the skunk comes, then that's you get right. to eat then all their sandwiches. That's right, then you get their beer or something well, but, like that. But if we're gonna, if we're going to actually try and like make some sense out of the logic of this movie he he would have been sitting at home the whole time because they were stuck in in jail so like doug must have just like painted him off screen no he was painted before. at the beginning the oh, first time oh we okay see, i didn't notice that when when uh, when they come home and the the mr mckenzie demands that they get a keep one of those beers for him eh? and they pour <laughs> hose heads bowl oh, back in so the glass but you actually see hose head with he does have the white on him oh, okay he does okay i didn't notice it yeah, he did it's sort of faint but it's there so maybe they <laughs> shot it backwards like they mm. they shot those scenes earlier and it just hadn't quite faded but you can see the skunk yeah, uh, yeah. stuff on him like. i missed that too but yeah i wanted to talk about the kind of like spy movie elements of it just with with max von Sydow's character it's almost like he's the bond villain but he's also like the bonded forcer simultaneously because he's he's basically like jaws yeah but then but then also like blofeld or whatever like he's he's a fusing of both of them because he's got like superhuman strength but he also needs to like have all of the lights on the world map light up so that, <laughs> so that he feels important or something and his, like, bath- his bathroom is also there yeah <laughs> And he's just got he's got these plans for world domination that don't make a whole lot of sense, which seem which I would say describes a lot of Bond movies. Sure. Right. <laughs> also, View to a Kill is the best Bond movie. No, but his, yeah, his, <laughs> yeah. his strength no. is his yeah. strength is uh, awesome. Like when he crushes the guy's head and uh, yeah. or hangs Paul Dooley up 
by his ear. Yeah. He's going to pick up by his ear. It's and like, even I, if he were that strong, is human skin strong enough to withstand that kind of strain? <laughs> <laughs> Would the ear not just rip off? So that's a wonderful little gag that I didn't pick up on the first time. Hmm. And I, I got to say, uh, uh, Max von Sydow's death scream when he's getting penetrated by light um, is fantastic. It's yeah. really, it stuck with me. I think that, um, I remember when, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, that's a great death scream. And then seeing it again, it, uh, it's pretty awesome. It's but the, like, and the, the hockey warriors feel kind of like a, like a Bondy type of thing Totally, as well. right? Totally. And they've got those weird antennae on. I never yeah. picked up on that before. And it was like, why do they have antennae in their helmets? To hear the organ music? I don't know. Cause and isn't the organ music coming out through the thing? Yeah, it feels like it's coming yeah. out through the speakers. The ring speakers. Yeah, right. And the elaborate uh, machine that they have to drop the puck in the beginning of the <laughs> I thought, yeah, that was excellent. Well, it was it like was, it was like how you how you'd, you'd have it in like an air hockey table or That's whatever, right. Like, it sort of felt like, like a football um, table or something. It felt like the movie Rollerball. Do you remember Rollerball? It oh. kind of had that sort of futuristic dystopian feel to it and uh, of course it's all surrounded by cases of beer and whatnot, but <laughs> and I know I'm not really sure if there was a payoff with those guys. What did they end up no. doing? Yeah, there, I was just about to say there was no point of having the movie other than just for like a stupid excuse for hockey in this pretty game. much, right? Oh, but they were they were able to use them against um, the uh, the accountant guy. Yeah, but it wasn't even in a hockey context, so it, they didn't. No, it didn't have. And they come at Max, Max Vincito, but their only weapon is the hockey sticks, yeah. which he's able to snap really easily. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, weird. And you said Rosie was in. Star Wars? Rosie's in Star Wars. I read that that was a missed gag. So they go, Luke, I'm your father. Oh, okay. And of course, Rosie was uh, was gold leader in Return of the Jedi. So oh, That would be the first Star Wars, actually. Gold leader. Is it the one first Star Wars? He's in the first Not Star Return Wars. of the Jedi? I don't think it was Return of the Jedi. Shows what I know. I'll, I'll defer to you. But he's in he's in that. So. Doug saw Jedi 17 times, right? <laughs> <laughs> um... The the music and the the hockey thing makes me think, it, and and then the the skunk dog, it seems it, like there's a couple and there might be others of instances of like things that just aren't initially explained, and then so you just you see something you don't know what's happening, and then it kind of explains itself by the fact of it just happening, yeah. and I can't tell if that's good filmmaking or not like, i don't know i don't i i feel like it i feel like it works but like i it, it i can't tell if it's just like a mistake that they made that ends up being a like turning out all right or if it's intentional that like when they first show that control room you see this keyboard and you're like what the fuck is that because like typically you would introduce that with like a shot of the guy like playing the keyboard and then seeing what's happening to the hockey players and then backing up and giving the expository dialogue as opposed to just an establishing shot of the of the the setting the 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 room and then like just thinking like well like clearly this is out of place and then there's like the the lights of like so you get the sense that it's some kind of world domination room but why is there a massive keyboard (laughs) (laughs) and then and then they explain it later so it just I, i i can't tell if it's if it's good or not I think it's, it's it's bad only if it leaves you um, um, thinking in the in the end if it, it leaves you thinking that something didn't pay off. I think yeah. it's bad, but I think it it makes sense once you see the little thing. Yeah, right? I mean, and there's certain things I think you just forgive because um, either you've you're 
you're um, you're won over by the movie, or it doesn't matter. Like, why does like why does the that video game contain security camera footage? <laughs> <laughs> Galactic Border Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was just because it was connected to it was a screen, and it was connected to an electrical outlet that the Ghost Man could. Yeah, that he could edit the video that was yeah. on some <laughs> archive. Yeah. yeah, so he's just connected to the whole network, and then he can somehow rewire the video game to display just any video <laughs> content as opposed to the specific yeah information that's, that's loaded onto its video card. <laughs> and I and, and I buy it. <laughs> and I try not to think about it too much because it's just silly. But the hockey players are like Manchurian candidates. Mm. They will be, they're killing machines that will be activated by chopsticks. Is that what we're supposed to, not chopsticks that you eat with, but the chopsticks no, on the uh, piano? No, it's a, da da charge, the sports stick. Oh, that's what they're, okay. that's what they're activated by. And they would act like Manchurian candidates. Well, but it also that, seems like it wears off. I think, yeah, I think that the, the uh, formula the was twofold. It was to make you docile oh. and then he was using this to test to see if he could make people fight against each other using that but the okay. overall thing was to make them docile as those in- inmates uh, inmates is that the right word were patients patients thank you yeah i did like when they were in straight jackets and steamroller each other <laughs> every time i go camping with my girlfriends we always steamroller so it's still a thing that i think is funny yeah yeah <laughs> So we still think it's funny, for sure. This movie, like, it still tickles my funny bone. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my head nodding. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that sound was. Yeah, uh, and so it sounds like Alexander came around to it eventually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not sure what more needs to be said about Strange Brew. Then like, it holds up. It it is. Uh, I think for my money, it's one of like uh, in terms of like a, a wholly Canadian product. It has the most entertaining entertainment. Um, bang for your for your buck so in terms of these types of movies holding up mm-hmm. and like you like asking for sort of my perspective being a younger person that hasn't that didn't see it upon its initial release um i did not respond positively to ghostbusters at all like i just didn't really find it funny Is that i saw right? it a couple of years ago i hadn't seen it before oh. um and yeah i just i just like didn't didn't lock in with it in the slightest hmm. and just yeah. found it like really sexist and like just like all of the, all of like the, the bad elements of 80s filmmaking I just I did I, I couldn't overlook those and then also just didn't really laugh at it but this hmm. definitely worked <laughs> and, I, and I, 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 th- I think partly because it doesn't have a lot of those less favorable elements of specifically the sexism like it doesn't I think because like, it's like, so juvenile it, yeah. it doesn't get to a point where it's you're thinking of mature men. Yeah, and like so and like Pam's character isn't isn't like overly sexualized. She wears a lot of pleats on her yeah. pants, which is uh, and she's actually allowed to do stuff. She's not yeah. uh, she's not a victim here. She does take control, and she suspects something, and you know has she's a, not raped by a no, ghost no. like Sigourney Weaver. No. <laughs> When you put it like that, no. <laughs> but that's totally what happens, and like people, because they have this nostalgia for it, just don't recognize that. I don't know; it's weird. Maybe we should go back and watch it. And now I don't want <laughs> I'm kind to. Kind of terrified to do that. <laughs> and then Dan Aykroyd gets 
gets cross-eyes because he gets a uh, oh, ghost yeah, job. Yeah. <laughs> There's just weird stuff in that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like in terms of, in terms of potentially cheesy '80s stuff that I've seen, this one holds up. I, I also do really like Beverly Hills Cop. So now that, that one, was the that year after, well. right? Yeah, I think I think Ghostbusters and and Beverly Hills Cop are both '84. Yeah, I'm surprised by how big the budget was. Um, according to Wikipedia, it was four million. Yeah, and I don't think Fubar one, two, and Trailer. Park Boys the movie, I don't think collectively those films oh, had a $4 million budget. I could be wrong, yeah. but they look very lo-fi and indie. Uh, so the fact that this is a $4 million budget in 1983 seems kind of extravagant. Yeah, I think, you know, speaking to William's point, the, uh, the movie is unabashedly Canadian from that sort of two-dimensional, really flat Ontario lighting that we were all familiar with from watching CTV or CBC to all the character actors that were in every single Fleischmann's margarine commercial, <laughs> things like that, you know, Sunday night, uh, Disney oh, kind the of thing. actor from Bazaar. Bazaar, right? Tom Harvey, Thick, uh, Thick, Thick Wilson, Thick Wilson the, the prosecutor. I mean, these guys, they were... They, they showed up on like King of Kensington on, exactly. and all those uh, CTV The, the guy with CBC. the two kids, you know, he was a classic uh, uh, Canadian staple, as well as the guy at the uh, beer store, you know, totally recognized all those guys. And um, it, yeah, it was just like a, a loving ode to a Canadian type that uh, I thought that you never felt like they were making fun of Bob and Doug, and they were certainly not making fun of... Yeah, there's no belittling or any of that humor. It's very straight up. These are sweet guys. They're small town guys. And we all know hosers like that. that Absolutely. mean no harm and just sort of get into antics as they, they go along. So mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I thought, uh, I thought that um, after Porky's, this was a nice palate cleanser. So <laughs> thank you for letting us go back and, and watching it. And Alexander, because you've spent your recent transplant from Toronto, can you confirm that you still have to buy your beer at one store and your spirits and wine at a different store? Because um, when I lived in North Bay, Ontario, the problem is I live in Ontario. I used to live in Ontario, but the the problem is I haven't consumed alcohol since I was a minor. At which point, I either procured it from parents or like people who Someone's are legal people who are legally like, selling yeah. it to me or so um i'm pretty sure yeah the beer store is definitely still a thing and the and lcb just get and the lcbo is wine but yeah so i think that still is the case do you think it still comes down that little the, the conveyor yeah that, really? I, I, I mean i have a memory of that at least from like when i was a teenager yeah 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 wow yeah so like all the beers in, in kind of a warehouse area at the back and then it and then someone shoots it out as you that, that may have changed, but I don't think so. <laughs> although although I, I, I feel like I, I read something about, at least in Ontario, Loblaws starting to sell beer and wine. Um, right. Apparently Molson was really excited about endorsing this movie until they found out about the mouse in the beer bottle, and then they wanted to distance themselves from it. So <laughs> they were going to do some product placement and endorsement, but uh, they changed their minds and really couldn't get far enough away from it. Uh -huh. And they actually, you were saying they filmed the brewery scenes in Prince George, right? Yeah, I can't believe they wouldn't find like a Labatt's Blue plant or something that's in Scarborough yeah. or Hamilton. They went all the way to Prince George to film the brewery scenes. Really? Which seems, again, kind of extravagant for this. What well, could have been that that one like just went out of commission or something? 
I don't know, it was the 80s. I feel like we were actively brewing lots of terrible beer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just one more uh, note if we're going to wrap up. I love the beginning of the movie where they're, you know, it's adventures in the Forbidden Zone or with the fleshy headed mutants. Because when, if you guys probably won't remember this, but 1981 to 84. Every second movie was about a post-apocalyptic wasteland because of the success of The Road Warrior. And yeah. so everyone was trying to copy that. And when you're a kid and you're watching this movie and they they start riffing on that, I couldn't stop. I, I nearly peed my kill, basically, as a kid. <laughs> Actually, the, the Hockey Warriors, now that you're saying Road Warrior, that reminds me of, uh, yeah, of sure. the one guy on the, on the, Lord on the back Humongous. of the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it really has uh, elements that, or it's representative of what was going on in the cinema at that particular time. Mm-hmm. And uh, also of note, Phillips Brewery, which is based in Victoria, has an Elsinore beer. Nice. So you can get a half sack of uh, Elsinore beer from Phillips. Huh. And do you guys know what a hoser is? Let us know. Fill us in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's... Uh, Hoser's a noun. This is from Urban Dictionary. Canadian hockey derogatory term that is similar to the American idiot or loser, derived from pre-Zamboni days where the losing team would have to hose down the ice. (laughs) And then Oxford says it's a foolish or uncultivated person. (laughs) And then if you, you know how they tell you, explain how to pronounce something? I kept hitting hoser. Hoser, hoser, and it's this British lady that's hoser, 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 oh, which hoser. isn't the same as hoser, hoser. right? You're hoser. <laughs> Take off hose head. I find it interesting that um, Bob and Doug McKenzie, uh, that they became these uh, these two characters that Canadians embraced as these lovable caricatures of, of Canadian stereotypes, as opposed to reacting negatively and saying like, "Ew, this is, you know, this is bad for our image. Yeah, I don't know if there's any, uh, like there's any examples of like other cultural characters that are, that are just constructed of stereotypes that are, uh, that are embraced in the same way. Well, I think the Trailer Park yeah, Boys was, was, was really huge in Degrassi yeah. Junior High in Australia. Oh. Both of those shows, oh no, and Due South, I have no idea why, but those three shows... Are you talking about which, Mountie and Dusa? Well, I know you guys are huge Paul Gross fans, so it's Paul <laughs> Gross's television series. But why would those things that, to me, are so Canadian have any appeal? Like, what, rum and coke in Nova Scotia? Like, what would that mean to anyone in Australia? Yeah, I'm but, I, so but, I, but there, I, think, I feel like those, those character types... It, it's it's almost like the, like there's there's the equivalent of a hoser in any sure, kind of sure, culture, right? Sure, like yeah. like that kind of ineffectual. Like in in America, it's almost more like the like the man the child, red, like the Adam oh. Sandler stereotype of like right, right. like, right, like right, that. Okay. It, but then kind of blended with Trailer Park Boys is blended more with um, like rednecks or whatever. But but it I think because the Trailer Park Boys are. Like they're rednecky, but they're not like they're not like racist, or they don't they don't portray any of the negative stereotypes. I feel like that's 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 what allows other cultures to embrace them because it doesn't like it's 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 specific enough to to one location, but because it's based in comedy for one, and then also because it's just like you just there have to be pe- those types of people everywhere. It, it becomes more broadly. And actually, I was just I was listening to a podcast of uh, of Deepa Meta talking. It's a very different, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> very different 
thought process. But Talking she was, about she strange quoting, she was quoting Louis Bunuel saying that like the more specific something gets, the more universal it becomes. Hmm. Oh, really? And so like the Trailer Park Boys being so specific to like this actual trailer park in Nova Scotia, like becomes generally relatable to other a caravan groups. park yeah. in you know rural england yeah. or whatever yeah interesting hmm. but alexander i think you're i think you uh hit on a point that's interesting as well is these kind of characters built out of these stereotypes they're also harmless yeah yeah so that they're, they're able point. to embrace them yeah. yeah 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 i think i think the ones like that that are based in comedy um or even something like mr bean like right. that, like that's right. specific to right. British culture, but because he's such a harmless character, and it's just hilarious, and and a lot, it's a lot of visual comedy. Like I, I, that certainly helps it, but um, you don't need to get the specific Canadian references for it to be relatable, I guess. Yeah. Oh, one more thing I took because I think it's really funny. I guess they issued a limited release booklet that would go along with the movie, so it was uh, shaped like a stubby beer bottle. <laughs> And on the inside, it had a fake library card that would say which celebrities had checked out this book. And the two celebrities I read were Bobby Hall and Margaret Atwood, which I <laughs> just think is very funny. And it's sort of the make it stills from the movie and trivia and quizzes and yeah. beer crossword puzzles. So it was like a little sort of activity book that was a compliment to oh. uh, when the movie was released. Now you can buy it on Amazon for $500. So if anyone's wondering what to get me for Christmas, um, <laughs> would be that. Or get Margaret Atwood for Christmas, I guess. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, we're going to wrap up this conversation about Strange Brew. Um, We usually uh, summarize the things uh, in the movie that we spotted which make it identifiably Canadian. It seems a bit redundant (laughs) when we're talking about this movie, but let's do it anyway. Okay, uh, Bondo, Primer, Molson Canadian. Donuts, Donuts, Smokes. Tukes. Tubes, Mac jackets, Mac jackets oh. Coleman stoves, tire cozies. Tire cozies. Let's say Canadian. C D N on them. That's right. On the back of the van. Tire cozies. <laughs> is that actually what they're called? No, but we know what I'm that. calling it. That. Uh, what else is Canadian about it? The accents, the flat lighting, the uh, stubby beer bottles. Stubby beer bottles. So flat lighting is Canadian, right? Distinctly, yeah. yeah. The sort. It's. It, it's Everything like looks a, like an episode of Danger Bay. That's right. No matter what <laughs> well, Danger Bay even had some sexy lighting. I was thinking more like King of Kensington or oh, the okay. Eastern Canadian uh, sort of flat lighting. Um, what else is Canadian about this thing? Did you ever say hockey? That's, that's hockey. Oh my god! Hockey. Oh my goodness! Hockey. I think Max Moncito. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is. I think this is the first movie that we've seen. Um, like a distinct view of the Toronto skyline from a distance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because um, that that was what, after the car chase? Yeah, when they're at the pier, you see the CN Tower. Yeah, and... which, which as a Torontonian, like I was saying, they're barreling down the Bayview Extension. I know that for sure. And then when they, when they pop, when they fly off, that must be somewhere in the West End. So they're very; those two locations are very far apart <laughs> right. from each other. And I'm sure but, that that's, that skyline does not look remotely. No, like yeah, that there'd be there'd be a bunch of towers obscuring towers. the view of the CN Tower now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think it's the first time that we've seen because like there was there was some stuff along the beach and take this waltz. 
like close to Lake Ontario, although, although that might even be the beaches, but we never, we've never seen the skyline yet in any movies that we've talked about. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to turn quickly to our made up and arbitrary rating system based on Leafs. Uh, Alexander, what are we rating this one out of? <sighs> I haven't been keeping track. 57 is a prime number. Okay. Oh. So out of 57 Leafs, I'm going to give it uh, 35 hockey sticks. <laughs> <laughs> It's a jelly donut. <laughs> How about you, buddy? Um, I'm gonna give it uh, I don't know, two two flats of two four leaves. This is forty eight. I'm gonna do four out of five stubbies. Yeah, I'll do I'll do forty five stubbies and maybe throw in two soakers just to uh, and a and a half a deck of smokes. Half a deck of smokes. Sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Uh, well, hope that was uh, interesting for you, listener. Uh, let us know if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, we actually got an email from a guy that wasn't someone that I already know. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Yeah. That was exciting. And he's from Saskatchewan. Oh, wow. And his name's Ian. And he recommended that we talk about a couple of movies from Saskatchewan. And then I was like, how do we find these movies? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He said that he could potentially send us some links. I told, I, I mentioned that we we we're trying to keep the stuff that that is generally accessible for people to watch. Because reflecting skin was Saskatchewan, right? Uh, no, was it filmed there? Yeah, I think it was a, was in Alberta, yeah. oh, Alberta or Alberta Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah. yeah his his recommendation was to try and work in more kind of regional cinemas, stuff sure. that focuses on specific areas of. Of Canada, as opposed to just everything that's filmed in Toronto or Vancouver or whatever. But right. um, yeah, maybe good, that's, good advice. Yeah, maybe and that's uh, a trap we've fallen into. If if those movies are available, I don't know, right? But what were the movies? That's kind of the challenge. Because um, they might be available at the library, quickly. just yeah. because we. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll look that up offline. So uh, <laughs> you can find our uh, other content and past episodes at our website www.filmedincanada.net. You can email us at filmedincanada at gmail.com. And, uh, and with that, we're signing uh, off. The land of rock and gold and basic human needs. Never wow. heard of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm drawing a blank on those ones. Anyway. Okay. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having Take us. Take off, eh? <laughs> 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 Just the funereal one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, thanks.